Hello and welcome to the Chase Family Church podcast. This week we have Martin Higgins speaking and he's going to be looking at how we resist temptation. The sirens were three mysterious women who, according to Homer's Odyssey, lived on an island. And whenever a ship passed by, they would stand on the cliffs and sing. Their beautiful song would tempt sailors closer and closer until eventually they were shipwrecked on the rocks below. Odysseus was curious to hear the siren's song, but was well aware of the dangers. And he ordered his men to tie him to the mast as they approached the island and then put, to put plugs in their own ears, ears of beeswax. When Odysseus heard the siren, he called and he demanded them to untie him. But his shipmates bound him even tighter, releasing him only when the danger had passed. The story explores the powerful pull we all feel at times to flirt with choices that we know are bad and even destructive. No one can go through life without being tempted. Temptation is not sin. And it says in Hebrews 4 verse 14, Jesus was without sin. Even he was tempted in every way, just as we are. And so today I'm going to be looking at how to resist temptation. So turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to start there. And verse 21. <clears throat> With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray to her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Now, uh, this passage describes the power and the dangers of sexual temptation. We need to beware of persuasive words. Be careful about what we listen to and what we read. Because it says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Avoid foolish actions. Thoughts and words lead eventually to actions. All at once he followed her, little knowing it will cost him his life. Control straying thoughts. Temptation often starts in the heart. Do not let your heart turn to her ways, the adulteress. And the message says, heed this warning. Listen, take these words of mine most seriously. Don't fool around. Don't even stroll through her neighborhood. Following this path is the highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. The Lord, it says in the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And I would say, guard my heart, give me discernment, and guide my feet. You know, um, being involved in the ministry for a number of years, the thing that really surprises me, <clears throat> no, it doesn't surprise me, what I'm saying is how many times where it can be a man or a woman who 
they feel under pressure in the marriage. They're working hard all the hours they can. They come home. The kids are making noise and there's less time to be intimate or affectionate with one another. And so at the office, there's someone there that just comes and she just touches his arm and says, I understand. I'm with you. And that's how so often I've heard affairs have started. Because the intimacy can be lost in the relationship in a marriage. Now, we can go off on so many tangents on this. But temptation comes to us in many forms. All right? And it's not just for men. I can share some stories how it's happened for ladies too. And, you know, we can't cover everything to do with temptation today. And I can assure you of that. But we're just going to look a little few things today. So turn with me again now as we look at what the famous scripture from Mark, where Jesus has been tempted or is being tempted. Sorry, Mark, Luke. I knew it was wrong. Luke chapter 4. Just testing you there, Rachel. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's all good, good. Great. Um, Luke, why am I in Mark? Oh. Thank you, yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Uh, let's go from the beginning of the chapter then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil and in those days he ate nothing and afterwards when he had ended he was hungry I think I'd be a bit hungry after 40 days don't you it's a slight understatement there And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him and said, it is written. He says, it is written in my word. It is written. Man shall not be um, live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all, these, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you would, will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, there it is again, my word, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he's throwing it back at God. Look how he's misusing it. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet, a foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You see, God allows temptation in your life. As you go through these tests, your faith is strengthened. Jesus knows all about temptation. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. Now, just a minute. 
It's not just three little temptations, and it's not those three spread over the 40 days. It's 40 days of fasting and of praying. It's 40 days of fasting and being tempted by the devil. All right? It was intense. It wasn't just a one-hit wonder. He knew what it was to be tempted. So if he's gone through it, he's going to help us through it. Although it was the devil doing the tempting, as it says in verse 1, God allowed it. He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. So God led him there. And this period of temptation followed Jesus' powerful experience, if you remember, of the Holy Spirit at the baptism. That's why sometimes these sequence of events, um, we often say to people when they get saved and they're looking at getting baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit, the devil wants to have his way and try and interfere with everything that's going on in your life. You see, Luke emphasizes Jesus' identity as the Son of God in uh, chapter 3, looks from 23 to 38, but the temptations that Jesus faced are often similar to the ones we face. All these temptations revolve around control. The devil wants to control. Control of your appetites. I like food. <clears throat> Some of you know I like cake. Not a good thing, you know. I have to be very careful about this. But here we are, the appetite. He wants to control things in your life. He wants to control our ambitions. He wants to control our lives. The devil wants to control your life. Now, here's the difference. God wants you to know the freedom that comes from being led by the Holy Spirit. Freedom comes by being led by the Holy Spirit. The world wants us to be conformed. Freedom comes by living in the Spirit. So, three things to watch out for. Instant gratification. The devil appeals to Jesus. Physical appetite, first of all, and offers instant gratification. And Jesus answered him, what does he say? It is written, it is written, in my word, it is written. People do not live by bread alone. And in the long run, instant gratification leads to disillusionment, doesn't it? Emptiness and despair. Listening to God and building a relationship with him leads to a deep spiritual satisfaction. It leads to joy and it leads to purpose. Do you ever think, you know, my life, what's my purpose? Go back to God. Let him show you through his word, his purpose for your life. Secondly, selfish ambition. The devil showed Jesus in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. If you worship me, it will be yours. The temptation to accumulate things for ourselves is very powerful, isn't it? You know, the Bible says it's, um, it's harder for a, cam- a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I've been very privileged in my life to meet some extremely wealthy men in my role as Christians in business. And I have to say, I've met some really godly men. And let me w- say one thing I've noticed. If you're someone that God can get his money through, he'll just keep supplying it. All right? 
But if it stops here and it tries to accumulate, it just doesn't flow. And, you know, we, a friend of mine um, was, uh, had a deposit to, part of the deposit to their house they were going to move into. They went to a church service that night on the way home and there was an appeal <clears throat> for something going on and with a mission. And he felt the Lord say, give the money. It was £5,000, which at the time was a lot of money, all right? And he's going, no, my wife will kill me. <laughs> but he knew the prompting of the Lord. So he gave the money and went home and faced the music. Now, Liz and I know his wife and we're well assured that he will have got his comeuppance. But she did love the Lord and she knew when this man was doing this that he was listening to God. Because the thing is, you cannot outgive God. So guess what God did? He not only provided the deposit, he provided the money that they needed to do the work as they moved into the house. All right? Now, that's only a small example. We all can give examples of how God looks after us in this area. But money is such a controlling thing. And it's, you know, it becomes a, quite a real thing when you start to talk about money. People suddenly start to ooh, take authority. But we've got to let it go. And that's hard sometimes. You know, we talk about tithing. Some people say, oh, it's the uh, um, Old Covenant. True, it is the Old Covenant. But the New Covenant is much harder. Why? Be, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a what? Living sacrifice. Excuse me? <laughs> give 10% or give your life? We think going to the New Testament is easier. When you become a Christian, you don't own anything. Everything belongs to God. <laughs> You're all going, oh no, I just bought that. Is that God's as well? <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm digressing, but I think there's something important for us to handle here. You know, you look at the New Testament and there's examples there of, of in the book of Acts of people giving to the Lord and those that didn't and the consequences and those that lied. All right. See, material prosperity may lead to authority and splendor in this lifetime, but the danger is that financial security becomes our ambition and we put our trust in wealth and not in God. Jesus responded to this temptation <coughs> excuse me, by saying, It is written, once again, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Ultimately, there is only one thing that can be totally secure, and that is your relationship with God. This must be your primary ambition. Thirdly, presumptuous power. The devil takes Jesus to the highest point in the temple and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Then he quotes the Bible at him, out of context. Do you notice the way the devil does it? He throws, gets the context. He says, oh, right, God's using the Bible. I'll use it back to him. But somewhere else in the Bible, it tells us that he knows the Bible well. He should do. You know, he was kicked out of heaven. He's probably got good ups, good, uh, good eye on it. But the point is, he misquotes it. And Jesus answered the scripture with scripture, and it hits it right on the nail. It says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. We mustn't do that. There's only one place in the Bible where he tests that, funnily enough, and it's in Malachi. It's about tithing. He says, test me in this. It's the only place in the Bible, as far as I know. You're called to a life of obedience and service to God. Jesus performed some dramatic 
um, miracles during his ministry, we know. And in doing so, however, he was obeying God and following the Holy Spirit's leading. So many times he, it says he was obeying God the Father. And this is quite different from testing God and then asking him to back up your ideas. Rather than coming up with your own plans and then asking God to bless them, seek to find out God's plans and obey his calling. Jesus saw off the devil and his temptations with God's word. Repeatedly it said it is written. And when quoted, <coughs> and then quoted scripture that directly answered the devil's lies and temptations. The message puts it like this. It says the devil left him but he only retreated tempor temporarily lying in wait for another opportunity. You know it's a relief to have periods in life when temptations are not so strong. But you can be sure of this one thing. The devil will try to lure you astray again. That's part of his schemes. You know, Lord, we want to follow the leading of your Holy Spirit, don't we? Amen. Lord, help us to stay close to you. To know your words and to resist temptation. Turn with me, if you will, now to Numbers. We're going to Old Testament. Numbers chapter 11. Drink my water, please. Mm. That's a little better. Numbers chapter 11, uh, verse 4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Sounds very Greek, that, actually. Um, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now, the manna was like coriander seed, and its color was like the color of bedellium. The people went out about the ga gathered it, ground, ground it on the millstone, or beat it into the mortar, cooked it in a pans and made cakes of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp at the night, the manna fell on it. And then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every one at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why... Excuse me, why have I not found favor in your sight? And you've laid the burden of all these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give, me, give us meat that we may eat. Um, and then verse 25, it says this. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they uh, prophesied, although they never did it so again. Just as Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Luke 4, the people of God were tempted during the wilderness years. 
The examples of this passage were written down as warnings for us, and we see that in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. So here are three areas to avoid. Discontentment. God had supplied them with food, but they craved other food. Rather than thanking God for his miraculous provision, they said, if only we had meat to eat. And they kept on whining and complaining. And they were tempted to make the comparison with the old life back in Egypt and turn back there uh, to where they'd come from. Now, it's easy, isn't it, to fall into that trap? Do you know, the grass is always greener. Or, you know, when I was younger, I remember we used to do so-and-so. It was so much easier. And there's always something to complain about. Let's be honest about it. Yet if we have eyes to see, we're constantly surrounded by God's goodness, his mercy, his forgiveness. Comes, we all need forgiving. His love, oh come on, you can't beat his love. He gave his son. Amen. Come on. Would you give your son or daughter? He gave his son. And he loves us. And he gave grace and mercy. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Do you know the antidote, antidote to discontentment? It's thanksgiving. So have an attitude of gratitude. Yeah, it's a phrase that's been around for many years. But have an attitude of gratitude. There is so much to thank God for. We have our health. And, it, you know, well, I could go down another avenue. Okay, another area to avoid is jealousy. We see an example of jealousy with Miriam and Aaron asking, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Uh, we see that in Numbers 12, by the way. 12 verse 2, I think it is. Then Joshua had been upset about other prophecies in the camp. Moses asked in response, are you jealous for my sake? You see, the context here is spiritual leadership and gifting. And Moses' leadership structure involved a group of three at the center. It's got Aaron, Miriam, and Joshua. Then there were the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. And then the 70 leaders of the officials. Now, interestingly enough, if we look at this, there's a very similar thing in Jesus. Jesus had an inner circle of three, the 12 apostles, then the 72 others in Luke 10, it describes, that, that go out. When the Holy Spirit rested on the 70 of Moses, they prophesied. It says that in Numbers 11.25. And like Moses, we should try to avoid the temptation to compare and to be jealous when we see God using other people in powerful ways. You know, just because I lead a church, you think, well, he doesn't think like that. I'm just as normal as you guys. When I see other church leaders, and I'm, I'm, I mix with quite a lot of other church leaders, they come up with some really good ideas, and I go, go flip. And then a guy says, cool, look at his car. You know, I'm just like any other, and, oh, look at the house they've got. You know, it's easy to, to do that. 
you know? And I, you know, thank the Lord for my wife. <laughs> You've got all you need. I said, yeah, I know, but I did, look at that. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, and God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Well, his riches in glory are infinite. So he can supply all your need. And sometimes we just like a little bit more. We'll stop it. Stop it. All right? He knows that. You can ask him about it. We've done some of that in the past where we've thought, well, can we go for this? And we talk to the Lord. and He's given it. And we've been shocked. But, you know, it's such a, a, a stressful thing, isn't it, being jealous? You know? You allow yourself to get wrapped up in it thinking, if only, you know. Moses recognized that he needed all the help he could get. And he replied, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. He did not feel that he had to be the only one God used. And it's so interesting that sometimes you can, you can feel that, I can, tell, I can assure you. The Lord had said, I will take some of the power of the spirit that's on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. God was very gracious to him. But jealousy is a, an awful thing. Jealousy comes from comparing ourselves with others and thinking that we are less well off. Whereas number three is pride. Pride comes from thinking too much of ourselves, comparing with others and thinking that we are better. Going down to the Isle of Wight and seeing these, this place on the roundabout, it really is on a roundabout. There's a large roundabout that goes around and cars are going in front of it all the time. All right? And as Pete says, they've gone through a really hard time. Their building is, needs work on it. They've done what they can. It made me grateful for where I'm here. And I, had, I suddenly found myself being a little bit proud some of it's in a good sense, because I can see what God's done here. But it also made me grateful for what God's done. And it made me want to pray and support these people. I had an opportunity to pray with Tony on Wednesday. And um, the Spirit of God fell on him, and he tears filling his eyes. It was just so lovely to touch this man. He's been faithfully serving there for years. And on his own. You know, he touched my heart, and it's great that you know this supernatural connection that's come together Moses also resisted the temptation of pride you see pride is the biggest barrier between God and human beings Lewis C.S. Lewis put it this way true humility is not thinking less about yourself it's thinking of yourself less yeah it's a quote that's been around for You've heard it many times, I'm sure. But let me say it again. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else in the face of the earth. Perhaps that's why God used Moses in, in such a powerful way. Moses in verse 3, 7 and 13 was humble. It says he was faithful. It says he was compassionate and forgiving. And all this stemmed from a very close relationship he had with God, in which God spoke to him intimately in person. It said in verse 8, With him, this is God speaking, I speak 
face to face. And my prayer, Lord, help us to resist temptations. The temptations of discontentment, of jealousy and pride. Help us to be trustworthy, faithful and humble. What should we do when temptation comes to us? There are times that we do not feel that we can resist. Well, I've said this before, we can overcome. In Revelations it says we are overcomers. And as I've said before, if you've got nothing to overcome, you're not an overcomer. So temptation is something we have to overcome. However, the scripture says that we will not be placed in a situation that we'll not be able to handle. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also be make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. We are not tempted beyond what, beyond what we can bear. God promises there will always be a way of escape. And there are various ways in which we can escape temptation to sin. I've got some examples here. Number one, do not put ourselves in a tempting situation. Sometimes the answer uh, to resisting temptation is as simple as that. It's not getting ourselves into the situation in the first place. If you know you have a certain weakness for something in particular that leads to a sin, then it's important that we avoid it. Avoid the situation so that you just don't get tempted and get drawn into the sin. Number two, run. If we do find ourselves in a situation where we're being tempted, the correct response is leave. You know, the Bible says, shun in 2 Timothy 2.22, shun youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Thirdly, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit is a good way to deal with temptation. Ephesians 5 verse 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Number four, know the Scripture. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he responded by quoting Scripture. Three times Jesus said, it is written. That's a good example for us how we should deal with the temptation when it comes our way. It says, the Bible says, you remember Billy Graham was known for saying, the Bible says. Well, it's a good place to start, isn't it? When we're dealing with temptation, the Bible says. In Psalm 119, how can young, it says this, how can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And then it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You remember that old chorus of Ishmael? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, well. Yeah, well, it just repeats that a few times. So. <laughs> it's a typical Ishmael song, Ray. But it's true. We need to hide God's word in our heart and we'll not sin against him. Ask number fifth, number five, or fifth one. Ask the Lord for help. Prayer is nothing, uh, sorry, prayer is another part of overcoming temptation. We should ask the Lord for help. In Hebrews 4 verse 16 it says, Let us therefore draw near to God with confidence on the throne of grace that we may receive mercy 
and may find grace to help in time of need. It's in time of need. He's with you. Number six, realize Christ has overcome. Believers need to realize that Jesus Christ has overcome all temptation. We've just had examples of it. He went through 40 days of it, so we have the the best example there is. That's why we need to turn to Jesus. Realize that he has overcome it. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, You are the God, sorry, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Now we know that scripture, we quote it a lot, but remember it. I don't know about you, I tend to forget it at those key moments. Remember, he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. Jesus lives in me by the power of his spirit. Hallelujah. He understands, not only has Christ overcome temptation, he also understands what we are going through. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He's able to aid those who are tempted. You know, get a hold of that scripture. You know, play around with it, as it were. Look at it so that you know the verse, the particular line that's going to touch you, going to strengthen you through this time of temptation. Number seven, starve the old nature. One of the practical things we can do to escape temptation is to starve it. Colossians 3, verse 5 and 9, just be focusing in there for a few minutes. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices. You know, I I get very upset sometimes um, about Christians. We, look, um, when I'm driving the car and someone cuts across my path, I go, oh, bless you, brother. (laughs) I can assure you it doesn't go quite that way. But I, have no, I know what's going on. Anger is trying to rise up. And it wants me to say something that I, I shouldn't say. And I get saddened by, saddened by many Christians who say things that they shouldn't say. It's an ungodly language. Swearing and cursing. And that is not what I, I know God to be. I tell you this, I've seen many people who do Alpha come to know the Lord Jesus and forget swearing like that. It goes. And to me, it's a sign of one of these things. I, I do get disappointed sometimes when I'm around Christians like that. It's as if it's like, I just want to say, look, come on, finish off. Get, get those words gone. Get that anger and that rage to go. And, it, you know, God's working on our lives. He's always working on our lives. He's still working on me. If, I, if you could look what's going on in there right now, you'd be disgusted. All right? You would. All right? Because I get just as angry and in my mind as the next person but it's um, by God's help and by the fruit of the spirit self-control beginning to grapple 
grapple with that. The scripture says we are working out our salvation. (laughs) It doesn't say, well, as far as I know, it doesn't say you'll be perfect before you get to heaven. You are in God's eyes through the blood that he sacrificed on the cross, and I know that. But we're working out these things. And each of us, if I went around all your minds and packed that, we'd, I'd be yeah, just as disgusted as you looking at me, I suspect. I don't think I meant to go there, but anyway, that's just by the by. Feed the nature. Feed the new nature. You see, if we feed our new nature, then we will help. Uh, that will help also to overcome temptation. We need to be occupied with the things of Christ to help overcome temptation. That's another thing. You know, sometimes we occupy our minds with such rubbish because it's there. We don't evaluate what we're actually doing. Sometimes I said to a young person recently, I said, why are you on your phone playing a game right now? Well, there's nothing else to do. And it just hit me that there's always something else to do. And in God's... When I'm around some really godly people, you know, they're always spending time with God. They're always talking about godly things. And it stirs something in me. Do you ever get that? There used to be a man at Oakley Chapel called Stanley Hurl. And I loved this man. He was a gentle old man that went wrong like this. But he said, hello, Martin, how are you? And he would always talk Jesus to me. This is a brethren church that I loved. And uh, in fact, I'm preaching there next week, so pray for me. Um, But, you know, God has touched me through that man's life because he showed his love and he was always talking and Liz and I when we went around their house and he went around a couple of times him and his wife were always talking about Jesus oh don't you want to be around like that you maybe think well actually I like to watch TV I like to watch TV I like to do those things but I think we need to cultivate something deeper we're in a difficult time a very difficult time In Colossians 3, verse 10 to 14, it says this, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Lastly, I'd say understanding deliverance is not a once-for-all experience. If a person does not yield to a certain temptation, this does not mean that they will never be tempted again. Or that the next time they will be strong. Temptation is something that continually happens to us. And consequently, we we must continue to trust God. The temptation of Jesus by the devil continued throughout his ministry. After the 40 days temptation was over, the Bible says this. And we read it earlier from Luke 4.13. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until... An opportune time. He's looking for opportune times to catch you. 
I've said this before, but you know, whenever I'm encouraging someone to preach, I say, when you finish preaching, keep your guard up. And I say it again, you are soldiers. You're in the army. You don't get to take your armor off. <laughs> You've got to have it all. It's very easy to say, well, I've been you know, praying for an hour. I can go and chill out now. And the devil goes, yeah, yeah. Why don't you just do so and so? And before you know it, he's tempting you into something you shouldn't be. And we're at those, when he knows when we're at our weak moments, he's looking for it. In Jesus, he couldn't find those weak moments, could he? And eventually, when Jesus went to the cross, he dealt with Satan. Once and for all, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, with, with being tempted, let me just turn to something else. That's, uh, I'm just going on a bit here, but I just want to say something else. In James, it says this. You see, sometimes I've heard Christians say, oh, God's done so-and-so, or the devil has done so We give the devil a lot of credit for things he never did, and we blame God sometimes. It says this in James um, 1, verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt uh, himself tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt anyone. And then here it comes. Here's the punchline. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. It starts here. We give credit to the devil who said he's tempted us. I've got news for you. I think we allow ourselves to be sucked into something. That's the battle. That's the battle, isn't it? That's why when you pray, say, you know, deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. And that's what we're asking when we do the Lord's Prayer. There's been a lot of scripture mentioned today and going over various things. But, you know, what's in your heart will rule you one day if you let it. And some of those temptations are going round and round. And one day, you're just going to let it go. Get a hold of it. Bring it to God. If you're struggling with that today, then be delighted to pray with you. Or even the person next to you, if you're up for it, let them pray with you. You're not alone, brothers and sisters. We're all in it. And we need to pray for one another. That the temptations stop. And we submit ourselves to God. See, as long as Christians are in the world, they will be tempted. They will be tempted to sin. And consequently, it's important that we know how to resist temptation. And the Bible provides the solution to our temptations. It's our responsibility to put these solutions into practice. If I can have the band up, we're going to start to worship in just a moment. I want us to just have a moment to reflect, if we can. Some of today has been quite intense because you're reading a lot of scripture. And some of it you know, and you think you know, you know it well, but you might have heard it differently today. I have to say, when I read, you know, Jesus was tempted for 40 days, I thought, hang on a minute, that, that changed my thinking. I'd never read it before. 40 days he was tempted, and he ate nothing. Oh, you know, I struggle for a short fast, you know. But no, then he was being tempted. 
So when we have that type of example, we're able to go to him and say, Jesus, help me. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. When I say I want to pray for us, I don't want to pray for in, you, know, you as it were. I want to pray for us as a block. Lord Jesus, we know what our minds are like. We can have that stinking thinking. We can have that attitude that's so of the world. We don't want it to be like that, to be honest, Lord. We want to be living godly and, and talking in a godly manner, a godly way. And sometimes in our minds, all sorts of battles are going on. Will you come, Holy Spirit? Help us this morning to be strong, to be strong in you, to live by the Spirit of God. In those areas of doubt where we let go to temptation or we feel we deserve something, we, we feel we have the right to, to relax and chill. You never did, Lord. You were all in, in the service of the King here on this world as, as King and Lord. Help us to be strong in you today. If you're struggling with temptation and you know it's something that you're battling with, then just encourage you to get someone to pray with you today. You know, it's one of the great things about coming to church. We have the opportunity to share it with one another and to pray and encourage one another through the challenges and the difficulties. And maybe as we go into worship, if you want to have someone to pray for you, then come to the front. Be delighted to pray. Well, thank you, Martin. And if anybody listening wants some prayer and wants to reach out to us, ask us any questions, chat to us, then please do that via our website, www.chasefamilychurch.com. We'll see you next week.